0: In motorsport, consistency and performance is all that matters. The pinnacle of Australian motorsport is the supercars championship, and they trust Race Fuels. And you can too. Maybe you do club sprints, maybe you're into motocross, or maybe you rip around the karting track. RaceFuels has products if you're interested in consistency and performance. Find out more at racefuels.com.au Two of the very best operators marked up in the garage. Wow. this has been coming for a long time these two do not like each other there are two parts of the story is all yeah. red flag this is a suspended race
1: it's that time of week it's the parked up podcast we're powered by race fuels my name's grant Rowley. i'm joined by tony d'alberto who did not show up to the boys weekend up in yay in the beautiful hills i had a magnificent time up there tony d how was your weekend
2: Weekend was great. It's good to see that your eyebrows are still there and uh, you've still got a full head of hair. (laughs) Uh, Pretty quiet on the old text on the weekend, so you're either very busy or you had no reception. Uh, Uh, Heaps Uh, of reception,
1: heaps of reception up up in the hills there. No problem in that regard. But look, if you're not going to be there for the boys' weekend, Mm. you're you're not included. You're you're out. You're off the team.
2: You're off the team. I did have a bit of FOMO, I must admit, but you got to remember, I. It wasn't my choice that I couldn't go. I had to work, so uh, my my dad pulled rank. And you know what the the oh. like big al is the boss. Oh you yeah. Know? When he yep. says jump, I got a bloody jump, <laughs> real quick. Um. <laughs> anyway, it was it was freezing at the caravan show. We sell a little caravan, Centaur caravans. It's quite cute. A lot of people called it cute on the weekend. By the way, Grant. Oh. Um, I guess they are cute. Like they're they no, are. they're not like the big Jayco styles. No, no, Am really... I not allowed to mention Jayco? Is this Don't a, mention is Jayco. Mention Centaur Caravans. This, this, right. Go and check them out. This is our own little plug here because they're a great little van, and uh, they're lightweight. They're strong. You can mm-hmm. tow them with a little SUV. They're perfect. Mm-hmm. Absolutely they're... perfect. So Some... if that sounds like you. Get on our Facebook, get on our website, check them out. Come down and buy one, please. Jeez. Please. They're they're cute as well, apparently. Well, that's what all the ladies say. Oh, this is cute. Oh, oh it's very spacious inside. Oh, there we go. I like so, this.
1: So what sets a Centaur caravan apart from the rest? It's a very busy space. And actually, I was talking to the boys on the boys weekend, which he did mm-hmm. not turn up to. And the caravan market is that everyone Crazy. is so keen on getting caravans at the moment that there's actually a market for stealing them and people are uh thieving caravans to either use for themselves or or to sell on because people cannot get the van that they want Mm. they're they're in such high demand at the moment
2: yeah the the waiting times on most vans is about a year and a half um or at least a year uh some of that's componentry some because just there's that many orders in place Uh, we've got about six months waiting um, time frame at the moment so it's very very busy and it was absolutely sold out on the weekend so the caravan show was down at Sandown, and uh, even though the weather was absolutely freezing uh, it didn't stop people from coming in but the thing that sets our van apart from other vans is that it is quite it is lightweight um, it's perfect for a couple so you it's not not the van if you've got a whole family and kids and everything like that we've only got a double bed in it Mm-hmm. But it is very spacious. It's uh, as soon as you rock up at a, at a campsite, you are set up within minutes. None of this pop up, you know, like get the tent out and all that stuff in the rain. Just rock up, you're done. Good to mm-hmm. go. Um, so it is a really cool little van. It's a bit retro looking too. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, it's out of fiberglass,
2: strong, you geez. don't get hail damage. Nothing. Where does Parked Up send the invoice for all these plugs? Well, I thought because you're 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 spruiking little heroes flat out. I thought, well, you know, I've got to spruik these caravans. I am on commission here, mate. Oh, okay. Cool. No, I'm really not. I'm really not. Hey, and
1: all Australian built as well, which
2: I Absolutely. like as well. That's Absolutely. I like that. Anyway, okay. so check it out. So I did miss out on the boys' weekend. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a lot of info. And I thought maybe you could just quickly. Wrap it up. What did you get up to other than well, we, drinking yourself stupid? Yeah,
1: well, no, that was it. That oh, That's the okay. end of
2: the story. Right. Yeah, so like
1: typical, you get to the the first night there and the drinks start flowing pretty quickly, pretty easily. You're very excited. So uh, that sort of rendered Saturday mostly useless. <laughs> um, so we did a lot of sitting around. It actually rained while we are up there as well. But uh, as you know, with the uh, setup that old Bruce and Helen have, it's uh, very cozy inside the little kitchen area. So uh, we sat around the fire for most of most of Saturday. I think the most adventurous we got on Saturday is I wanted to go get a coffee. So I drove into Yay. Uh, and the first parking place I found was at the front of a pub. So we gave the coffee a mist and just ducked in for a couple of pints and um, a couple of bets on the, on the horses. It was a uh, absolute perfect uh, perfect weekend for uh, for the boys. Do You feel and, refreshed, or are you are you still recovering? Yeah, no, 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 still still recovering, still recovering. <laughs> it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't it was it was pretty rela- relaxing. Played um, played some cards cards games. We did a bit of uh, cards against humanity, which is always good for a laugh. Also played, uh, th- which is typical of that. Uh, every time we go there, we always play presidents and assholes. That's the card game, and it's you, sorry, but that's just the name of the game. P and A, and uh, yeah, it's an absolute classic. It's a classic. If anyone has played uh, P P's and A's, sorry if I've uh, uh, said some rude words in front of the kids there, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is a uh, a really fun game. And I uh, remained president for a long time, and the, the blokes who I were playing against, they they weren't very happy with me, especially as I was spruiking how. I was the president and, um, yeah, I think I was getting on their nerves. Anyway. Yeah, just, just to talk
2: a little bit, a bit more about Centaur products, just, quick, <laughs> just quickly, mate. <laughs> we'll move on from the caravans. But we had uh, a little launch that we did uh, last Thursday mm-hmm. uh, down the Docklands. Mm-hmm. We came down and uh, took some amazing photos and uh, footage that I haven't quite seen just yet, but I'm sure I'm sure. Like maybe the, you've got, got the photos. You've got, got the photos, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We launched our new Divi van. So Centaur Products look after the Victorian police and build the pod that sit on the back of the Divi van. Mm -hmm. And now they have a new uh, association with Ford. Previously, it was with Holden and the Colorado, but they're not in the country anymore. So they need to find a new vehicle. And the Ranger has been the chosen product. So uh, they did a little launch down the Docklands. And yeah, it was really cool to be part of to, to see what we've been working on for well over a year now. Um It was one of those proud moments. Mm. I loved it. No, it was very good. And you also got a little bit of uh, interview
1: time on uh, on all of the three major uh, networks: Channel Seven, Nine, and Ten. All threw some questions at you about the
2: about the pods. Yeah, I was very, I was really nervous. Like those those reporters are they're, they're quite good looking, and uh, it just put me off my game real quick.
1: Uh, yeah, well, no, you, you did well, you did uh, very well. And so that, so these pods, they're actually quite similar to the build
2: technique that you guys use for the caravans as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they're, they're all fiberglass. Um, so the guys that are building our pods are building our caravans and the beauty of the pod is it needs to withstand the, I suppose the workload that the police use them for day in day out and some of these pods have been in service now for over 12 years so we get them back and and refurbish them before they go on the ranger and give them a paint job and tidy them up but um, structurally they're still very good so if if the caravans are half as good as those pods those things will never break either so um, yeah it's some pretty cool I suppose uh, materials that we're using that keeps those prisoners locked in and and mm. out of harm's way. You do do two starkly different things made out of the,
1: made out of, the, you Stop. know, very similar product. One we One do. Year, one, one, you're building for people to go away on holidays and one you're building to well, keep well, uh, people, bad, put bad people inside
2: of. But they're going to have a little holiday too. So it's <laughs> very similar. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. okay. we've got a, uh, we've got a cool show coming up. We've got uh, Andrew Van Leeuwen from motorsport.com. who's going to join us to talk about a little bit of news Uh, And then we're going to try and get Chad Nalon from the Supercars broadcast team on the line. So stick around for that. Let's grab AVL and let's get into some news. This is the news. The news is brought to us by motorsportwebsites.com.au. They built the network r.com.au website, and that's where you can go and buy your little heroes books. They didn't build the Centaur Products Australia uh, website, but I'm sure Tony's going to uh, speak to motorsport websites to build Surely. that as well. It's a we good idea. We do need to up spec it a little bit. So, yeah. right, that's a good idea. Cool. We got it. We'll get Shane from motorsport websites on the line and he can uh, build one there as well. He's actually going to build the new race fields website as well. Another great parked up sponsor. sponsor. <laughs> okay. Uh, we've got a very, very special guest. And it's not for the first time that he's come on to Parked Up. His name is Andrew Van Lewen from motorsport.com. He's also on that filthy rival podcast turned TV show below the bonnet, A V
0: L, all the way from WA. How are you? I'm pretty well, boys. How are you? As you know, I'm tired. I'm tired. I stayed up too late playing GT sport with our mate Tommy Howard last night. Oh no. And but I'm uh so I'm a bit you tired, but I got on, a bit of coffee. No. no, well, who knows what happened to Grant on the weekend. He disappeared off into the bush and we never heard from him again. <laughs> I came back. Okay.
1: I
2: just had an early night last night. Don't there know why. Go. There
0: you go. There you go. Now you
2: did make an appearance on uh, below the bond the other day on KO. I, I tuned in. It's good when you're on because you actually tie the boys together a little bit more. Otherwise I just go off on a bit of a tangent. Um, how's, how's the new KO um, going for the boys? Yeah, look, no, it's going really well. I haven't had a huge involvement in the sort of uh TV or
0: streaming side of things so far. But yeah, I made a little appearance uh last week from a, it was quite weird. We did it from a remote studio in Perth because um I was gonna fly over, but it was my uh my young bloke Nico's third birthday on the day I was meant to go. So I figured that um I didn't fancy uh copying the wrath ah. of the family by le- leaving. So um but yeah, look, it's it's you know, it it just sort of shows that, you know, the the the, the sort of this weird little concept we started out of just talking rubbish about motor racing, which is what you guys do and what everyone else does. But, you know, people love to tune in. They like to learn things about the sport. They like to hear that insider perspective. And when you've got people like yourself, TD, on this podcast or guys like Caruso and and Reynolds that, you know, are, are living the inner workings of the sport, I, I still think that that's, that's something that, you know, the, the fans out there find really fascinating.
1: Now, you you mentioned that you, uh, you didn't go over, you didn't leave for Nico's third birthday which is very admirable of you but it does remind me of a little van lewin story about your dad and mm. the birth of uh your younger sister yeah which he completely missed because he was racing a formula Ford at the australian grand prix
0: yeah a once in a lifetime opportunity which is quite a, a running really? joke in our family because i think he raced there two or three times so it wasn't a once in <laughs> a lifetime opportunity but he loves a good once in a lifetime opportunity does my old man that's his, uh <laughs> that's his back Oh, very good mate there's uh, plenty going on
1: in the world of news particularly in supercars and I guess uh, gen 3 has become a real dirty word in this in the sport at the moment it's uh you know anytime you see it there's um unfortunately not many great headlines it's something that we should all be very excited about but I guess uh, some of these some of the teams Maybe aren't as thrilled about it at the moment. Can you uh, give us a little update on the uh, on the the current situation? As we're halfway through May.
0: Yeah. Look. Well, it's kind of hard to tell as of right now because th- there was a, a a crisis meeting, but don't call it that. Whatever you do, on Tuesday um, for the teams and supercars to you know to clear the air and try and work out what's going on with this thing. And everyone has gone to ground since then. They've just gone completely to ground. And even I had an interview lined up with somebody about something that was like on the fringe of Gen 3 for a feature story I'm working on and that's got canceled now because no one wants to talk, go on the record and talk about Gen 3 at all. So as usual, it seems like it's the media's fault that there was this big sort of mess about about the fact the teams were all completely in the dark about what was going on and and really didn't feel like they knew where things were going. And as you mentioned, it's May and we're talking about trying to go racing next, you know, probably February. So it's pretty soon. So basically what's happened, you know, it it really, the, the unrest really sort of hit its peak at the bend. Um, There was every, everyone was talking about gen three, everyone, people that have been in the paddock forever saying they'd never seen the paddock. So, it's almost hard to say divided because there sort of almost wasn't division. There was almost everyone was coming together going, we don't know what's going on. Everyone except the homologation teams feel like they didn't know what was going on, where these bits are going to come from, where the project's at, what the cars are going to look like, what they're going to sound like, what sort of motors are going to have in them. How are they going to prioritize a six liter Chevy motor with a five liter Ford motor, all this sort of stuff. So everyone was pretty keen to talk about it because everyone was really worried about it. And I feel that people have been biting their tongues for a long time and they got to the bend and went, okay, we need to know what's going on now. Um, So there was all sorts of stuff flying around there since the meeting on Tuesday, from what I can tell from talking to people, the the outcome is that, you know, they're pressing on for 2022, which they announced um, publicly. Supercars came out and said that they're definitely part of that. Maybe that it's a mid 2022 introduction, which was well and truly on the table before the meeting. And it seems like that has been left on the table. Hey, if we have to roll this out mid season, which seems incredible, but, it is still an option How um but that, man mate I, I, you're right like it's it's tough we're not talking about you know a, a new front bar or you know a gurney flap on a wing we're talking about a whole new generation of regulations i, I, I it seems like it, it it seems like it would never happen but it seems that that is a preferred option over delaying it all the way to 2023 for whatever reason supercars so is adamant this thing has to happen next year even if it doesn't happen at the start of the season delaying the season was talked about that seems like that that's not really a preferred option either um so i guess we're either gonna see teams really get a move on and get these things rolled out for newcastle at the start of next season or we might see them come in midway through the season which you know as you sort of say would be a pretty a pretty bizarre way for a season to play out it'd be a season of two halves almost
2: yeah, that, no doubt about that. I mean, uh, a lot of teams seem very vocal about it. Some quite upset, some uh, not saying much at all, but it just seems like it's going to be quite tricky to get this program up and running, especially when they've just gotten rid of John Casey. Um, do you know what the background behind that was?
0: Yeah, well, look, John, John was his job was to lead this Gen 3 project. Um, obviously, things weren't going great. There's, I mean, there's, there's no sugarcoating that. For whatever reason, whoever's to blame and whatever's going on, it wasn't going great. So um, he's departed supercars. Um, I think he's going back to Vodafone or something where he came from originally or something like that. But he's moving on. Like, I guess something had to give somewhere. So, you know, whether John's directly to blame for these things or not, we'll never really know unless you've sat in the meetings and you know what's going on. Um, but there had to be, something had to give. And I guess, uh, I guess John was sort of what that was. So, you know, now we've got Sean is the only one authorized to speak about gen three, Sean Seymour, the CEO, he's been on personal leave recently. So that's made things tricky. The hard thing is, you know, and, and as Grant said at the start of, uh, when we start, when he asked me about this, it's become a dirty word, everything. There's just negative stories about it. Negative, Mm. negative, negative. And I'm not sure that I sort of buy into the communication strategy, which is to shut everything down. Mm. to to completely shut it down. So now no one knows, there's no information coming out at all. And I understand Supercast wants to control that message as much as possible, but telling people they can't talk about it under any circumstances, I don't think actually sort of helps fix the problem at this stage. It just makes it even seem more mysterious and probably more troubling. But hopefully that's just the external view. Hopefully the teams are actually more on the page of what's going on now and happier that this thing might move forward next season. The hard part is that, there are some people that really want it to move forward next season. You know, Triple Eight wanted to move forward next season. But I don't think that's any great secret. You would imagine there's been, Corv- there was Corvette stickers on the car at the Bend. bend. There's obviously a-, a GMSV deal there, and they would love to have a Camaro on track next year, and they don't want to build a Gen Two Camaro for one season. You know, Ford are probably a little there's a little less urgency about what they're doing because they've got a new Mustang coming in 2023 and they can avoid doing a facelift at the end of next season if they just delay the new rules. So I think, um, you know, there's going to be more of these meetings and it's going to be up to, it's going to be up to those parties to agree where the middle ground is on this and what's going to work best uh, for everybody. And I think that's what we're going to see. There was definitely the the one thing that did come out of the meeting, you could tell from the statement is that, you know, the statement said that the, the 2022 introduction will be reviewed. And a month ago, there was no review. There was no wiggle room at all. It was, it's going to happen at the start of next season. And I think that's what teams were worried about because the stakes are so high and it's so important to get this new rule set right that the idea that it was going to happen no matter what, even if the rules weren't actually where they needed to be and even if the cars weren't where they needed to be, that was worrying teams because it shouldn't be no matter what. It should be, let's prioritize getting it right. The introduction is actually not that important in terms of the timing. If it has to go back to 2023, who cares? So the fact that there's some sort of room to move in terms of the introduction, in the wording, in the language that's coming out of Supercars, that indicates that there has definitely been some sort of shift
2: in the thinking of the introduction. Speaking of things that have just got to happen, Erebus and uh, the Boost Mobile, well, I should say Mm. Boost Mobile, they're talking about running an extra car uh, for a wildcard at Bathurst. How's that going with Murph and Stanaway?
0: Yeah, well, look, it's uh, it's one of those things that you know when when Peter Adderton floated it a few weeks ago, you went, bah, that's never going to happen." And now it looks like it's really going to happen. Um, the latest, the the every with every that the, the mail keeps getting stronger that it's going to go ahead. Um, it seems that Erebus is sort of the favourite to run at the moment. They did talk to Dick Johnson Racing about a third car, but it seems that Erebus is uh, is sort of the the leading contender. There is there is an existing relationship there. Boost backs Brody Kostecki's car, so there's a relationship there already. Um, Tickford would have been another option, but you know the way things ended with Richie and Tickford at the end of the 2018 season, you know perhaps there might have been a level of awkwardness there. I'm not saying those things can all, you know, they're, they're not insurmountable problems, particularly when there's a sponsorship earn. Mm. um up for grabs you know i think teams are pretty happy to have a shortish memory if, it, if if it's going to help the bottom line but yeah the, the latest mail is that erebus is the front runner to run that car um and that it's going to go ahead i like greg murphy back at bathurst which is amazing and that's the you know that's the headline story but you know, on a completely different level, just to see Richie back in a supercar after the way his career ended, it was such a shame the way he just couldn't get a foothold in the sport because he has so much talent. It would be amazing to see him come back and, and, and try and, you know, put things right in a way, because I I never felt that it was overly fair the way he sort of, you know, he's a different, he's a different sort of bloke, Richie, but you know, he is actually a really nice guy and he's a great driver and it would be nice to see him come back and, and sort of, even if it's his last time in a supercar, Have a positive run, have something positive come out of his supercars career.
1: Murph coming in is awesome. Another great story to go alongside the Ingle one, but for you two blokes, who's faster, Greg Murphy or Russell Ingle? I reckon
2: Murph.
0: Yeah, I want to say Murph. I just wonder, like, Russell's going to take it real seriously. (laughs) He's going to go, he's going to really take it seriously. Um, and, uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I, I feel like Murph as well. I feel like Murph as well. Murph's half his age though. Yeah, that's true. Well, I don't know. We don't even
2: know exactly how old Russell is, do we? <laughs> exactly. That's,
0: that's, that's
2: one of the best guarded secrets, right? Yeah, the only John thing Mow's will be uh, if the AAA car is just a better weapon um, than the Erebus thing at that time of the year, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, but it would be cool. It, it will be cool to see Murph back out there. He's, he's as fast as ever. There's no no dramas there. I like I like these things. I like the fact that it kind of, when you looked at that,
0: uh, at the Murphy standaway thing, you went, that's impossible, but it's not. It's nice that, I don't know, it's, it almost feels like this kind of, after everything we've been through in the last year, people are like, you know what, bugger it, let's just do things. There's a way to do it. Let's just get out there and do it. So but people aren't getting bogged down in the, oh, is that a good idea? Should, you know, are these guys going to be quick or this or that? They're just going out and going racing. And that's yep. what it's all about, driving race cars, you know. So I think it's um I think it's just it's a refreshing kind of attitude towards getting cars out, adding to the grid at Bathers, having good names on the grid. You know, it's a great opportunity for Brock Feeney to race against Russell. It's a great opportunity for Richie to come back and race with Murph. You know, these are these are cool things. So we should um we should just enjoy them for what they are
1: just moving on to something with two less wheels jack miller the australian rider has taken another moto gp win that's two in a row now for him avl uh is this the start of a uh a, a tilt at the title or you know or maybe if it's not this year could it could it be next year is is jack miller good enough to be our next moto gp world champion
0: I think so. I mean, I mean, wow, if you watched that race last night, he definitely looked pretty good. He got two long lap penalties for speeding in pit lane and it just didn't even matter. He was sort of on the right tire at the right time. That that soft, wet rear really worked for him, but just so much pace. And obviously, if, if Mark Marquez hadn't fallen, um, you know, that would have been interesting to see how it played out. But two wins, you know, the, the real the big thing is he had such a difficult start when he joined the Ducati factory team, and you just start to look at things and you think, don't let this be a wasted opportunity. You know, the, you know, Jack's obviously a fantastic rider, but if things just don't go your way, you can be in and there's all this expectation that you're gonna win and you're gonna fight for titles cause you're in one of the top teams. And then you don't, it can all be over in a heart, in a heartbeat and it sort of felt, it was troubling to go, okay, I hope this isn't, this isn't just gonna all disappear from him, but he's starting to actually get his head around what he needs to do on that bike. He's grabbing the opportunity, two wins on the bounce. That's awesome. Will he be a title contender this year? It's really hard to tell in MotoGP, particularly when Marc Marquez does kind of really hit his straps again. But I think Jack's sort of shown that, you know, he is the right rider to lead the factory team. There's a lot of talk now that, you know, that, that, that a contract extension is just a formality now. So he's going to get another opportunity. And that's, that's really the most important thing. So it's just good that he's using the opportunity because it would have been a real shame if, if he hadn't have done that and he had a missed out on you know potentially becoming our next MotoGP world champion
2: what do you think's clicked for him um do you think it's just the fact that he's gained some confidence or have they had bike upgrades is he on the right bike at the right time now um, what is it yeah look the the funny
0: thing is with with bike, you know with MotoGP compared to car racing you know there is The rider can really make a difference. Like having a bit of confidence, getting your head around something can make a massive difference because you're obviously, you're a lot more exposed as a rider sitting on the bike. Um, You've got a lot more say in, you know, if if you're not feeling it, you're not going to be fast because you're you're trying to tip the thing into corners at 200 and whatever kilometers an hour with your knee scraping on the ground. So I think it probably is a little bit of confidence stuff, you know, that's, the, 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 they got a lot of horsepower, the Ducati. So they've gone to a couple of tracks that have worked for them. That sort of that sort of plays its role as well. But I think it's just a case of getting used to being in that team, getting used to getting used to the expectation of being a front runner, being a front winning races. You know, there's a, there's a certain element of habit to that as well. And doing it twice in a row, you start to go, well, why can't it be three times in a row? And if it's not three times in a row, why can't it be three and four and all that sort of stuff? You know, there's got to be an element of just learning to win and learning to win regularly, you know? So hopefully that's a habit that Jack starts to form and and hopefully we're going to see him go on and have a long and
2: successful career as as Ducati's number one man. Well, we hope so. And another guy that has a lot of confidence and uh, always gaining confidence is Scott McLaughlin in IndyCar, uh, another top 10 performance with uh, eighth on the weekend at Indy P five in qualifying. Very, very strong lead up to the Indy 500. Yeah, absolutely. I think kind of after
0: that second place at Texas the other week, everything sort of feels almost a little bit like a letdown after that because that was such a sensational result. But the reality is, you know, Scott's a touring car guy. He's a career touring car driver. Forget about, you know, any experience in open wheelers at this level. He has very little experience in open wheelers in general throughout his whole career. So, this year was always going to be about just learning the ropes and about sort of seeing whether he can actually fit into this style of racing to this style of driving at this level. And that's what he's doing, you know, three top tens in a row. I think it is now, that's how you prove you belong somewhere. You know, is an eighth place finish a groundbreaking result? No, but, this is a touring car driver making his fourth, fifth, whatever it is, IndyCar start. You know, the fact that he's just knocking out, he's knocking on the door of the fast six and qualifying, or, you know, he's, he's sort of right there when things go well. He said he probably could have been sixth in the race, but, you know, eighth is, it's a good result. His job is to prove he belongs and being a regular top 10 contender, that's how you prove you belong. And the rest of the stuff will sort of, will sort of come along afterwards, you know? And obviously, you know, Romain Grosjean, another rookie, did a great job, pole position, finished the race on the podium, that's excellent, but he's a Formula One driver. Yeah, he should go to IndyCar and go pretty well. You know, really, I mean, I don't think there's ever been any suggestion that that the 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 driving the level of driver in IndyCar is better than Formula One. An F1 guy should roll in there and go pretty well. Similar style car. Obviously, mm. it's not quite that simple, but I, I, I sort of it's a great result for Roman. It's it's awesome mm. to see. But I think the fact you've got someone like Scott who's jumped out of a out of a, a supercar, which is nothing like an IndyCar in any way at all. And he's just running around as a, you know, you just expect to see him in the top 10. You almost go, okay, eighth is all right. But, you know, he was second the other week. That's pretty cool. That's really defying expectations, I think.
2: I think the fact that he's mixing it with his teammates and uh, beating them half the time as well Mm. uh, just shows how close to the pace he is. I saw a little stat, I think, yesterday um, that it showed that, you know, the winners uh, this year in IndyCar the very next race that finished 16th or 20th or 18th or whatever it was, and just showed how competitive the championship was. So one bloke that's winning one week. Um, doesn't mean they're necessarily going to dominate the following weekend, you know, if they don't get it right. So I think that consistency that Scott's shown has been fantastic and it's just going to build his confidence, you know um, because he would have, can you imagine going into IndyCar this year? Uh, the anxiety would be through the roof, wondering whether he could do the job. It's not like he's, you know, it's a new year in supercars and you wonder whether how you're going to stack up against everybody. You've got no idea. So I think he's doing a great job.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, obviously this is going to be a big month for him now, the, the lead up to the Indy 500. But you know what? He could go and get a good result there. I think yeah. it just feels like he that's well within his reach. That's not a given, but it's well within his reach because he just looks like he belongs. And like as you just said, that's actually – That's that's a remarkable achievement to look like an IndyCar driver, given his background. His background's got nothing to do with his talent, but just given what he is used to driving, which is pretty much supercars from when he was a teenager, it it, it is absolutely remarkable.
1: Yeah, it's uh, been incredible to watch the the start to it, and obviously we uh, we want to see our Australian touring car champion uh, do things uh, exciting like that because yeah, it sort of shows that. supercars can not necessarily be the uh the end of your career it can uh in in some ways just be another stepping stone in the in the block now there's another big open wheel race happening uh pretty soon it's the monaco grand prix and we saw some pretty fancy colors get launched for a uh, golf oil uh, retro sort of scheme on the mclarens of course for for daniel ricardo what was your thoughts boys on the um, orange and blue hues
2: for the mclarens i loved it absolutely loved it the cars look fantastic um those golf colors just you know they're just uh anytime you see any sort of retro uh livery like that i think it brings back a lot of memories um and what better place to do it than monaco we haven't been there for a couple of years either so that's always a special event drivers get you know different helmet designs and uh, it's good to see that McLaren are getting involved in it as well. So let's hope Danny Rick can get himself on the podium. That'd be a, a nice little reward for the work that's going in at the moment.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can, any cars, you know, when they're painted in colors of oil companies, they just always look great. Mm. And that was definitely an example of that. I think there was a few people out there that might've been a bit disappointed that it wasn't a red and white uh, McLaren throwback livery, but I don't know if that necessarily Get away with that in the uh, in the modern age of uh, of cigarette advertising bans, but yeah, look the, the car looks the car looks really really cool. Um, it's going to be and well, you always say it's going to be an interesting race. It's going to be a very interesting qualifying session because obviously <laughs> get, getting you know being on pole there is ninety nine percent of the job. Uh, we keep looking at. You know the fact that this low rate concept's not meant to be working on the Mercedes and the Red Bull's meant to be so much quicker, and this is a huge chance for Max. It's a huge chance for chance for someone like Danny Rick to go and get a big result, but nah, you just can't help but feel that Lewis is going to come out on top somehow. They just keep doing it, even if the car's not a hundred percent there. They just keep doing it.
3: Mm.
1: Um, you spent a, a few years overseas, AVL, doing journalism with. Uh, the motorsport network and and Auto sport. did you ever actually go to the monaco grand prix no
0: no i've never been there it's a uh, yeah look it's one of those things that you everyone would like to go um but i never actually uh never actually did it i think as a spectacle that's actually where you want to go and and just watch those cars because again the race even if the race isn't good it's spectacular on tv and it must be even more spe- spectacular actually actually been there because you know you just can't expect to get a great race there but just watching those things bounce off horse and you look at how big modern f1 cars
2: are as well it must be a hell of a job just
0: driving one of those things around there
2: yeah they're massive compared to the older cars yeah uh, boys i reckon we should plan a parked up um trip you know like we will we've got to have spend our earnings on something you know to get a tax deduction so let's go and spend all our race fuels money on a trip to Monaco next year. What do you think?
1: If there's anyone who'd be keen on that, it will be Mark Tierney, I reckon.
0: Are we? Uh, are we going to keen on that? Are we going to share a hotel room for the for the quarantine on the way back as we well? Have so we have to keep each other company <laughs> at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah mate,
1: well, Let's save it to save it for next year. I'm sure COVID will be gone next year, right? Oh yeah. Oh, well,
0: we're not going to do it this year, are we? That's what we were saying. That's what we were saying this time last year. I think. But anyway. Exactly. Yeah, so.
1: AVL, thank you so much for joining us for our news segment, of course, brought to us by motorsportwebsites.com.au. Mate, I have no doubt we'll talk to you in the very near future. Sounds very good. Have fun, boys. And we thank AVL for joining us in the news. Now, let's go talk to our very
2: good friend, Chad Nalon Tony. Yeah, let's get it done. He's a good friend of ours. Lives just down the road from me and you, actually. Mm-hmm. Not too far, but closer to me. So mm. I'd say we're better friends than what you guys are.
1: You just live closer.
2: and no, no we're better friends. Fine.
1: That's fine. That's fine. Like part him. of the Eastside far. Melbourne Club. Uh, Chad Nalon, of course, is part of the Supercars broadcast team, and he is on Parked Up right now, and we're powered by Race Fuels. <phone rings> And it's great to welcome Chad Nalon onto the Parked Up podcast for the very first time. Big debut on our podcast for you here, Chad. Thanks for joining us, mate. It's
3: a big moment, Grant. Thank you. I have long <laughs> been waiting for the day to get the text from you saying, what are you doing tonight? Are you available? I cleared the schedule. I heard that Tony was going to be part of it as always. And I was like, I'm in. Ah, okay.
1: <laughs> no, mate. Great uh, Great to have you on board. Of course, you're a part of the Supercars uh, broadcast team. And it's been a, um, a a nice little climb up the ranks for you. Of course, you've done a lot of broadcasting in the past, but uh, we get to 2021 and you find yourself being used more often than not. You're, uh, you're now well and truly ingrained as part of the broadcast team.
3: Yeah, thanks. It, it was a chance to get involved at Bathurst last year for the 1000, painfully did a lot of this last year, you know, talking on Zoom and and sitting in front of my computer, missed a lot of the tour, um, which meant I got to see a lot of my family, which is good. But um, getting to Bathurst was a big opportunity, did the two weeks quarantine to make sure that I could have a a crack in the lane. Uh, And it all went pretty good. So I hopefully get to do more of that stuff. Um, And it's a part of the broadcast that I really love, is sharing the lane with some pretty cool people, not just on air, but obviously in race terms as well. So getting in there and grabbing interviews and being part of the stories that unfolds is pretty cool as it's hard points because sometimes you're going in there to talk to people who don't want to speak to you. And so uh, Tony can probably. Uh,
2: I'd always talk to you, mate.
3: <laughs> you would never turn me down. But um, I can imagine when you get out and the day's gone terribly and you don't want to, the last thing you want is a camera and a microphone in your face. So uh, it's been a big learning experience. I'm just sort of getting started with it.
1: It's funny that you bring up the, The times where, uh, you know, people are are negative or they don't want to talk to you, but you also get to talk to people when they are like absolutely like loving life to the max as well. So it can be easily forgotten.
3: That's so true. Um, Like Anton Di Pasquale the other day at the Bend, I got to give him a couple of checks for his first ever poll awards. That was really cool. Um, So being there for special moments in the press conferences as well, when something big happens Uh, and getting to probe someone's mind and feelings and try and uncover a headline in there is pretty cool.
2: Now, you're a great addition to the telecast. There's no doubt about that. And um, let's talk a little bit about last year because it was a very difficult year for everybody, but you seemed to cop the raw end of the deal and spent a long time in uh, quarantine. How many (laughs) weeks did you do last year?
3: I did six weeks quarantine all up into early 2021. One hotel, one at home here in Melbourne, and then spectacularly one in Perth. The Perth one was the one that really hurt because it came a day after I got out of quarantine in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> so I, because I'd, I'd been working in the northern beaches, got parked up, as you'd say, across yes. uh, uh, across Christmas. Brilliantly got out on the 31st of December, enjoyed my day of freedom, flew to Perth, and then they changed the rules three hours after I landed and got myself locked up again.
1: Ooh, locked up. That's the uh, spin-off podcast.
3: <laughs> podcast. Locked up. That'll be my one, just talking about quarantine. Actually, I think Molly Taylor takes the record now for quarantine. Oh, too. yeah. She's, yeah the, she's really
2: enjoying it. She's an absolute pro at it now. Um, um, did you ha- did you uh, learn any tips or any ways to survive during the quarantine period?
3: The best thing you can do, and Molly is absolutely proof of this, is of <coughs> anything you can do to keep fit. The fittest <laughs> I've been in the last two to three years have been in quarantine. Absolutely. Um, it was pretty cool at my parents' house doing it in Perth because I had skipping ropes and I got people to deliver exercise bikes and weights and did whatever I could to just make sure that I spent an hour or two a day. Uh, as all the guys found out when they went up to Darwin pre-Bathurst, like just massive fitness camp. Uh, and something that I don't do any of when I'm not in quarantine. So that was the best part of it for sure, was just getting fit again.
2: Well, I did the quarantine up in Darwin. So I had the chance to train, but also had the chance to get a suntan. So I had the best suntan I've ever had in my life. So for two weeks, no kids, no commitments, nothing. Um, as soon as that that sun would come out, I would be parked up and lathered up and getting a nice old suntan. I was just getting
3: body shamed by Dale Wood for two weeks.
2: Well, that's true, but I reckon anybody would. I was <laughs> in the best shape of I've ever been in. Um, but Dale takes it to another level, as we all know. Let's talk a little bit about your partner, Jess. <laughs> Now for our listeners that don't know, I went to school with Jess and look, I'm not, I'm not afraid to say, you know, I I, I tried it on her quite a few times. (laughs) And uh, she knocked me back every time she said she was waiting for the perfect bloke. So she's obviously found him. Um, No, (laughs) but I did try, I did try it on quite a few times. I know that now we're very good friends uh, during high school, I think the only only reason she didn't date me this is what I'm I'm you know my reckoning in my head is she's a bit taller than what I am, a bit a bit. She's a bit taller
3: than what I am.
1: Yeah, you're you're missing a couple of feet there, Tony, D.
3: Tony You might. Tony redirected his attention to the best friend and went much better.
2: <laughs> Hang on, the uh, the microphone shit there. <laughs> Was your audio bad or not?
1: <laughs> no, no, no one no one's audio is bad, mate. You, yeah. You're hearing it loud and clear. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: Was she
3: popular in high
2: school or was she one of the cool kids? Uh, well, no, she, she was fairly popular. I wouldn't say I was really popular either, um, but we had our little gang of, of friends and um, yeah, Sarah obviously was my girlfriend at the time. So, and Sarah is Jess's best friend. So look, I didn't try it on when I was going out with Sarah. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to get some bad press there. Um <laughs> But, yeah, we're all, all very good friends and hung out in high school and all that sort of stuff. And we've stayed, uh, you know, loosely in, in contact over the years. But now now you guys are together, there's even more reason to catch up more regularly. And we still don't.
3: I know. Tony came to <laughs> his first birthday party. And uh, I don't think we've caught up since. It's three now.
1: So, Chad, <laughs> Chad, where did you where did you grow up?
3: I grew up in Perth, uh, so, not so, so far from Scarborough.
1: So how did you? Uh, so what brings you over to the glorious eastern suburbs of Melbourne then? Yeah. How how did you guys meet?
3: I moved to Sydney eight years ago to the day. Would you believe? So there you go.
1: Happy uh, anniversary.
3: Yeah. Um. I thank you very much. I had a chance to have a crack at doing the supercars thing in 2013 uh, at the New Zealand event. They needed someone to call supports, and um, I just right place, right time actually my tip off from Brian to say that they might need someone. Um, and got myself over there and Scott Young, who was boss of TV at the time said, you yeah, know, that's great, but you know, you're going to be on this side of the country. So I was like, man, I'll move right now. And then pretty much went home, got my bags and left and I haven't been really home since. So you've got to be on this side of the country to have a crack at it. Uh, and then, so for the last, this is my ninth year, I think with supercars already, which is crazy. Um, and then yeah, met Jess on a very boozy night out in uh in Sydney, Newtown. Uh, the rest is history. Two kids later, history,
1: here we are in Melbourne. Amazing, fantastic. Well, everyone's on the east coast except Richard Crowell and Matt Nulty. There, the, uh, they're the they're the different different ones. They're not quite over in Perth. About AVL, uh, bro. Yeah, no, no. But he's not a he's not a commentator. He's not a commentator. He'd like to be a commentator.
3: AVL is doing more and more in front of the camera than he is in print these days.
2: Yeah, especially with below the bonnet and KO and all that stuff they're up to. Um, Now let's talk about your boss. Mm. Neil Crompton's had some, uh, some rough news lately. Um, The motorsport community lit up with support. Um, He's going through a tough time with prostate cancer. Um, Do you uh, you obviously learn a lot from him? Um, He's a ripper bloke and uh, we all wish him the very best. So, um, will that mean that you'll probably take on a little bit more during this time?
3: Um, certainly, I'll take from an airtime point of view. I'll take on plenty because um, there's so much that we do away from the racetrack. One of those questions you get asked a lot is, oh, what do you guys ever do?" You know, between race meetings and mm. airtime, media uh, is our is Neil's company that I work for full time with him. Have been for about three or four years. So we'll be pitching it around the office as much as we can to make sure that Neil takes the time off that he needs. Um, because you know his health needs to come first uh, at the moment. so we're wishing him the best and it was so cool to see what happened the day it all came out and it was just like a flood of people mm. from all around the world. it was a real who's who just wishing him the best and hoping uh, that he makes full recovery as quick as he can.
2: How is he going?
3: I mean, <laughs> the problem is just trying to slow him down. you know what mm. Neil Crompton's like he's just so passionate about what he does and he's so full on so, uh, he's taken the news, you know, without getting too much into his personal life, yep. uh, remarkably positively. Uh, the fact that he batted on and did Tazzy and the band uh, without, you know, anyone really knowing was uh, a huge credit to him. So he just wanted to make sure that he did what was best for Supercars and got the product out there as, as best he could.
1: He's definitely one of the uh, one of the guys that I've always looked up to. I thought, uh, you know, as a race driver, he was able to get the job done but always you know sensational in the in the media and the broadcasting world just uh, give us a little insight what it's like to work with him what it's like to work so closely with him and uh you know he's probably taught you a million things but there has to be one or two that you'd be able to uh pass on as uh you know the the key things that you've learned from him
3: I think when I first started working for Crompo, I thought that I would learn lots about being a TV presenter, doing voiceover work, just being a commentator, doing all the things that he does. But what I've learned, that's probably 5% of what I've learned from him. I think the majority of what I've learned is running a small business, which is quite interesting because it's not what I signed up for, but it's what I learned and it's been fascinating. So the direction in which things went for me after starting to work at Airtime Media it was quite interesting. It was a lot of production, a lot of producing, a lot of organising, things that I didn't so much expect to get myself involved in. So just organisation and how to run a small business are the things that I've learned from Neil more than anything, which is a pretty cool thing to learn. Uh, it's been a little almost postgraduate degree in some respects, but having him stand next to you when you're trying to do a piece to camera, for example, intimidating as it is, <laughs> because he's like the Doyen and is just perfect at it um, is amazing because he's not afraid to just cut the chase and go, okay, that was good, but do this differently. Um, cut those words out. Think of a few things that you want to get off and don't script it in your head. Just, you know, just freestyle it. And he gives you the confidence to be able to do that. So that's been a huge element of it, but just every aspect of running a business has been cool. The the one guy that I'd liken him to the most is probably Roger Penske, which is funny because it's a guy that he looks up to immensely. Mm. Uh, And we made this documentary, a while ago about Roger, which was an anti-media thing that aired on Fox sports. And there's a line in there from Tim Sindrick and he says about Roger Penske, you'll never outwork him. And that's exactly how I feel working for Neil because you just cannot outwork that guy. He's just, if I work a 10 hour day, he's worked 11. If I work a 12 hour day, he's worked 13. Like he is just flat out.
2: It's interesting uh, you mentioned Penske there because I saw the team Penske put up uh, some words of support um, for Neil when he came out and, and said that he was battling um, at the moment. So I thought that was a really nice thing and, and, and a huge amount of credit really from a world you know organization like Penske to, to get that, I guess, shows that he's very well, well respected within the industry.
3: Yeah, hundred percent. There's a lot of mutual respect between the States um, particularly because remember he also had that little brief foray into racing over there as well. So he's made a lot of friends uh, at a manufacturer level. At a team level, uh, all through IndyCar, he has some roots that tie back to the 90s. So um, all these people remember him when he goes over there. He can walk up to, you know, Haley Castroneves and slap him on the back and Haley will jump around and give him a big bear hug because he's so happy to see him. He has that same air when he walks through the paddock here in Australia that he does over there, which is pretty cool.
2: Now, let's talk a little bit about supercars because um, I want to get your take on the championship so far this year. It's been... Uh, yeah, a really cool battle to watch. I've done plenty of it from the couch. Um, obviously, SVG's been in fine form, but, you know, we've had some new winners recently with uh, Anton, Andre, Cameron um, Waters had a good win there at Tail and Bend as well. Um, do you think the championship's going to be hard fought this year or do you think Shane's going to walk away with it a little bit? Um,
3: I think it's, you know, clearly it's Shane's to lose, to use a cliche, but they are taking no chances at triple eight and that's become abundantly clear and how quickly things can change. What happened with his collarbone could have been catastrophic Mm. to his championship campaign. And had he not had the ability to, to move around that the way he did, which is fascinating. Um, But behind him, I think there's a fascinating battle as well with those trying to keep up with him and certainly, DJR made a huge step forward in the last two events, which were events that they had circled to be strong at Tassie and the Bend, two tracks that they go good at. Um, and I think Tickford will probably put a line under Winton as an event that they can go well at um, testing pre-event as well for them there. So I think it's, it's never over because anything can happen at any point. Mm. You go to Bathurst and that's a 300 point race. If they have just one tiny issue that day, they could have ev- a you know, whole championship league could evaporate. So, mm. <clears throat> pardon me while it is shane's to lose as i said it's still completely unpredictable and crazy things have happened
1: um so uh, as interesting as the racing is there's uh there's this thing happening in the background of supercars or it's not really the background it's at the forefront of everyone's mind gen 3 it's actually uh, becoming a bit of a dirty word it's unfortunately. like a swear yeah. word yeah it's like uh it's like the new parody what what's your take on it there's obviously a lot of things that need to uh need to come out there's a lot of things that, that we need to find out about and the teams need to find out about uh it sounds wildly exciting when the thing actually gets going but uh yeah we're just in a really uh difficult phase with it at the moment you'd probably
2: agree can i just jump in there for a sec why I mean, does it sound so exciting
1: well i think the new. So the new <laughs> i think the new shape of the cars look I reckon they look interesting. I think any change of regulations is going to bring some different results. It's going to bring some uh, some some curveballs. When the, like this generation of car came in twenty thirteen, didn't we have like twelve different winners from the first thirteen races, or some something ridiculous like that? So I feel that that would, we we have the potential to be in the in a similar position if we get to that position. Chad,
2: what's your take?
3: Yes obviously very difficult thing to talk about at the moment um so
2: uh don't be switzerland
3: yeah. <laughs> well and it's i don't i don't have any insider knowledge on on how it's all playing out anyway so i haven't been in you know i wasn't in sydney in that room the other day when all the team owners got together and had a big chat about it as entertaining as that would have been
1: oh yeah they should have live streamed that thing
3: <laughs> Man. that would have got ratings talk about content that would have been pretty epic but, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what comes. And the racing that comes out the other side of it is going to be completely unpredictable because of that regs change. So look how Brad Jones Racing responded to Car of the Future in 2013. That could be Matt Stone Racing next year. Like whoever gets that right will set themselves up so brilliantly just like Mercedes did when the rules changed last time. We could be on the the precipice of a brand new era of success. Someone might be about to be starting their own little dynasty at the moment. And we don't know who that could be. It could be Walkinshaw. They might get this new rule book and invent something brilliant. And then Chas Moss, it's untouchable for the next three years. Like that's what excites me about it is we have no idea what's about to happen. One thing that is that does happen the longer you go into a generation of car, if you go back to 2012 Grant and you look at uh, how that season played out, that was the last year of that car before we brought in Car of the Future. I think there was two teams that won that year. I think mm. it was FPR and Red Bull that won all the races. So the longer you go into a generation of car, obviously more people get you know,
2: yeah, head around it.
3: to figure it out. And it gets to a point where it becomes not as competitive. So I think what's cool about the new car coming in is, and if and when it's gonna be super exciting because we just don't know who's gonna get that rule book figured.
2: I, do, I just think the racing is so exciting already. and. Um, I, I do feel sorry for a team like Brad Jones that they've got to spend all this money to go to the next uh, Gen Three um, when they're barely they're struggling at the moment just to uh, the, just to fund the running costs of the car, let alone to start from scratch again because it's not going to be you know a super cheap car to start with. It's Not super cheap. I don't mean that. I meant like. Repco, rep that's gonna kind of yeah, Repco. <laughs> Cost-effective car. You know, it's going to cost a lot of money to get this program off the ground. Um, I mean, hopefully there's some savings along the way, but at the end of the day, the teams need to be able to survive. And I would have thought with what we've got at the moment, um, rushing into a new generation of car is going to be very expensive to do that. So we'll see. And I, and I just, I don't, I can't get my head around, you know, going... To the to gen three midway through the year i just think that's crazy so you're ruling
1: out uh, tony dalberto racing coming back into oh, supercars you, you're we- not that
2: thir- <laughs> third wreck uh buyer we we're the old we're all the old cliche of you start with a load and then you spend <laughs> it on motorsport and you have none left because, uh, that's what we've we've done no we're all not coming right. back so Ch- chad let me
1: let me hit you with one last question and we thank you for your time on the parked up podcast uh, you do a lot of commentary stuff, mainly for the uh, support categories, the the Porsches and uh, Super Twos, and and all of those guys. You also do a bit of running around the pit lane in supercars as well. What's your preference? What would you, if you could, if you, if you, if they only gave you the uh, microphone for one of those jobs, what are you doing?
3: That's a really good question. Um, I <laughs> I love commentary. I don't know why. But I think it's the fact that you have. Almost no idea what you're about to say next. There's something really exciting about that. You are one sentence away from becoming the next YouTube sensation. For <laughs> Completely dumb. Um, and you don't know what's about to happen on track. So uh, there are a few times, like for sure, if you're down there in Park for Mate Bathurst interviewing the guys just got out after winning the race, that's a pretty special thing to do. I've done that at the 12 hour, and that's like goosebumps on the back of your next stuff, being a part of that. Um,
2: you get nervous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: Oh, man, 2015, Lowndes Richards winning Bathurst. I was on the podium and I had to do the, let's bring him out, your winners. Here's the Peter Brock trophy. And it was on the actual podium. And it was so loud because Lowndes won. My heart was thumping. Mm-hmm. And there's this, depending on where you are within the paddock, you, you either do or do not have any ears working. So I couldn't hear anything in my ears. And so I've started talking and it's so loud. I don't know if my words are going out. And I'm doing the whole... I'm about to say, here comes Craig Lowndes, but I'm not sure if I'm even going out right now. There's 2 million people watching on TV, plus all these people below me on the podium. And so I just vamped for a bit. I was like, just start saying some words until I get a feel for it. And I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure people can hear me. And I was like, here comes your winners, Craig Lowndes and Steve Richards. And everyone just went to another level of cheering. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, it worked." work. And Lowndes, comes out. You know how you do those interviews on the podium at the end of it? Like you have a bit of a chat. It's been going forever. Mike Ramsey used to do it. I'm standing this close to Craig Lowens talking to him. Can't hear a word he's saying. It's that loud. It's just like need one like, <laughs> the guy's a foot away and my heart was thumping. So there's that element of things would get you so, so anxious and nervous. Um, you know, I, I'm fascinated by the opportunity one day to hopefully call the great race. Like that for me is is it. Like for Lee Diffie to go and call the Indy 500, that's proof that, you know. You can be a guy who goes through that broadcasting pathway and do something amazing. Um, For me, that would be Bathurst. I'd love to call the great race one day, especially if it could be alongside Neil, because that would just be it for me. Um, So hopefully one day that happens. Uh, But I think commentary, if I had to pick one at the end of the day, would be it because it's so wild and fast and you have no idea what's about to happen.
2: Cool, mate. I really hope that um, I win that race when you made it.
3: I, I have been lucky enough
2: to get you on the podium before. Yes.
3: But never the top step. And one day it's going to happen. And like, I might even just come out and do a shoe with you or something.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
3: Celebrate with you. The ring with the action.
1: I've, yes. I've promised him that uh, one of my little children's books will, will be written about him. If he wins the great race, tiny
2: D it's going to happen. Yes. I good. think uh, it's getting harder these days. Cause you only have one enduro. One in your row. I know there's only one great race, but at least the other ones you had a bit of a warm up to it. Now yeah, it's just where we go. Have 1000.
3: Decided, decided who
2: you get to drive with yet? No, no I haven't it? told me yet. They they actually sent me an email the other day, um, saying we're gonna do some test days and ride days between now and Bathurst, and but that was it. So okay,
3: mate. Right. Either either Steed looks pretty good right
2: now. Yeah, I don't I don't really care to be honest. It's yeah. all good no worries i just can't wait to get back in one to be honest it's been too long
3: yeah yeah i bet we're doing the uh, test day I'm going out there i hang up and I'm, i hit the road actually go and see some race cars
2: tomorrow at Winton. there you go yeah. I, I reckon my tip for the test day is everyone will be timing Chaz mostard thanks for coming all right i'm, I'm
1: surprised they can te- i'm surprised they can test so close to the race meeting at that at the circuit i thought there was some regulation I know they don't get to test very often
3: anyway, but... Um... It's not like the week leading up to it. And the other interesting one was pre the bend with the
2: rookies. Yeah, that was interesting.
3: Um, and made even more interesting by the fact that there isn't the chance to do it at Queensland Raceway. So the Queensland teams don't get one back. But they, it's not like they're getting given the super soft to go and test on. So they're not going to get a huge read on what is probably going to happen the following event, I'd say.
1: Mm, exciting we're looking forward to Winton can't wait to uh, get up there and Chad we're going to see your good self up there in uh, Kelly country yeah. and uh, mate we uh, we thank you again for joining us on Parked Up we uh, we love he- hearing and seeing you uh, on the box and we wish you all the very best for the rest of the year.
3: Thanks gang I'll tell Jess Tony sends his
2: regards. Yeah say out to Jess for me <laughs>
1: We thank Chad for joining us on the Parked Up podcast. He's a very good lad, isn't he, Tony D?
2: Yep, we love him. He's uh, one of our good friends and extremely good at his job. I, I reckon he's setting his sights just a little bit uh, too short there, just doing a Bathurst 1000 call. I reckon the bloke could uh, find himself overseas taking over from Lee Diffie and all <laughs> those uh, top-notch commentators. He- he's very good at his job. Yeah, so uh, Very
1: pro, very pro.
2: And learning from the best absolutely is now grant monaco this weekend i just mm-hmm. i just want to talk about it a little bit cool it's, Why, it's, what do you want to talk about well i think we should get together and
1: watch the event yeah it's usually and at a pretty good time like isn't it like a 10 30
2: start or something it's palatable it's palatable yes and i think we should do a live podcast from our <laughs> while, bedrooms what
1: while can- watching them, <laughs> while watching the race
2: <laughs> we could do live updates what do you reckon
1: uh, sure. I guess like you'll Your be better mine. Uh, no, you have to come out to the den here at my place. Right. This is, this is where it's at. Got a little fold out couch here. Uh, that'll, um, we can lay on that fridge isn't too far away, but my simulator is better than yours. Uh, that's, but I do have two
2: simulators, so oh. we could both, we could both race. There you go. Hey, I did upgrade my sim a little bit over the last week. Mm hmm. I went down and saw the boys at SimWorks, yeah, and they got these fancy new little sway bar adjusters, just like in the race car. Mm. And I walked out with a pair. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Of course you did. Hey, they're so cool. So it's like it's literally like I'm sitting in the supercar, adjusting the sway bars on the fly. It's um, it's got little detents, and they're amazing. They look incredible. So, <clears throat> they look incredible, or they do actually do a job for the game they do a, the job for the game but there's no secret that i just like the wank factor of the look of it so <laughs> they look very nice very right yeah okay love them love them awesome so well done simworks
1: so when you play you don't but you don't even race a supercar you don't
2: even drive a supercar every time i've come to your place you're in uh, a porsche Porsche or a GT car, or actually I just downloaded the Indy car, um, to have a play with that. And you can adjust the sway bars on that one so, uh, that that's good. Uh, bloody hard to drive though. The Indy car, I must admit, um, doesn't have as much grip as what I thought it would have, uh, like compared to a formula one car or something. Um, but yeah, the supercars just too hard, mate, too hard Right. It's not realistic. They're honestly a lot better in real life. So if you're a sim racer and you love driving a supercar online, Trust me, they're even better in real life. Way better. <laughs> cool. They haven't right. got that one right. I don't
1: reckon. But, I'm you know. sure every sim driver in the country is now thinking, "Well, if I can do, if I can race this hard one on the computer game, then let me go in the in the real thing because yeah. I'll dominate."
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Cool. All right, there you go. That's enough free plugs again. Nah, that's not unauthorized free plugs for sim you No. Know. So are we going to your place or mine? No, you can come to mine. Come to mind, you know. I like. I'll drink more beer than you, so yeah, true. it's I'll only fair. Home. It's only fair for me to be
2: uh, close to my real bed. Hey, just quickly, actually, how is our mate Lee Stimation going? We haven't spoken about him for a little bit uh i think he's going
1: okay i saw he uh, he was hanging around at the bend working for the melbourne performance center with uh with the audis with the uh, one of nine audis one team running nine audi r8s it's a uh Crazy. it's a, a big task so actually not I, only just, is I just here. put a video up on uh on the gt the Fanatec gt world challenge australia powered by aws Uh, With the owner, Troy Russell, talking about how he manages to run nine cars in the same class at one race meeting. And uh, for him, the bend was easy because uh, at Bathurst a few weeks before, he had seven GT cars, seven Audis, but he also had four TCR cars. Mm -hmm. So that was 11 cars for one weekend. He'd
2: he'd, uh, be better at printing money, wouldn't he? He'd he'd be very familiar with... uh with that <laughs> uh it's well i tell you what
1: it's a uh it's a big task but they also they bring a huge crew as well obviously they have to bring a a, a pretty big crew it's big enough crew just with the drivers that they've got mm-hmm. to take let alone all the uh, mechanics and engineers they've actually got like some really good guys who work within their organization with um you know adam Great. DeBore comes in uh to help out uh, anytime Chaz is racing but uh, eric pender is there uh, shiggy shiggy yeah. works there
2: so shiggy used to head up the engine department at hrt back in the day mm. he's an absolute guru mm.
1: Mm. one of the best one of the best guys i worked with him at uh, my time at nissan motorsport while he was working with the kelly's and uh yeah he's an absolute top bloke
2: yep now nah, they're 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 actually a very very good race team yeah, outside of super they could they could they could run a supercar team no problem but yep. Um, generally, when you drop down a little bit to uh, outside of supercars, where it's not uh, full-time employees and things like that, um, you know the level, I guess, isn't quite as high. But these guys have got full-time staff. They're running full customer program um, for Audi. Uh, it's very impressive uh, facility down mm-hmm. in Bayswater there. So mm-hmm. very good, very mm-hmm. good. That's not a plug for them either. That's just nah. recognition um, of, of what they've got going on. Um, but I would like to drive one of their cars. Just if you're listening, Troy Russell, um, you know where I live. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right, cool. We're getting silly. <clears throat> thank you, everyone, for joining us again on this episode of Parked Up. I think it's like uh, episode oh. 58, Tony. And I tell you what, our numbers are going really, really good. Uh, we thank you all for tuning in and listening, and sharing, and liking, and offering uh, feedback—good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, we, we, we really appreciate everyone's listenership
2: and, um, yep. We, I did uh, want to mention that because it's been going off lately.
1: Mm, no, numbers are uh, like really quick to
2: switch. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It's actually really weird that people want to tune in every week to listen to you. I mean, both <laughs> of right. us. <laughs> um yeah no no I there's people who uh, are very
1: very close in my world who don't want to listen to me um so uh, for people who um who have the choice of listening to me or not, uh, it's remarkable so no we, we uh we, we thank everyone uh we hope you're enjoying it and of course we love the feedback so let us know if you want us to do something
2: different better worse I think they just want us to get off the mic now that's it then. Enjoy your week, everyone. Bye.